You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. And now, all Father, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would reveal yourself to us, that indeed we might have an encounter with you, the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. What are your impressions of John the Baptist? What sort of thoughts come into your mind when John the Baptist is spoken of? Maybe when Catherine Jacob was reading the gospel. Uh, What images spring to mind? Uh, Certainly you would think of his wardrobe, his camel hair coat, which is not something that he bought at Brooks Brothers. Or maybe his diet, locust and wild honey. Uh, But probably too, and more emphatically, You'd think of his message. And how would you characterize his message? Now, as someone who's preached on John the Baptist any number of times, uh, you would probably say, he was kind of a doom and gloom guy. You know, brood of vipers, separating the wheat from the chaff, quenching for unquenchable fire, those types of things. That's the impression that most have of John the Baptist. But in fact, even though that's true of John the Baptist, there's no doubt that he's an awkward man. You're not going to invite him to your Christmas party. Right? He's just sort of strange and, and out there. He's a man in the wilderness. But I think that we give John the Baptist short shrift because we really don't pay attention to what the Bible has to say about him. Because what the Bible has to say is that the overarching message and ministry of John the Baptist is marked not by doom and gloom, but by the most amazing, earth-shattering, life-transforming good news that the world has ever heard. Luke continues in chapter 3 with verse 18 where he says this about John. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. And here in our earlier passage, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And what is this word that he's preaching? Luke enters into Isaiah chapter 40 and pulls that out. And the same reason why people left Jerusalem in the comfort of their own homes and their own communities to go out into the wilderness to hear John the Baptist, I think is the same reason why you and I are here today. And that is that each and every single one of us want an encounter with the living God, Jesus Christ. Even if you're an unbeliever, If you're here, probably the prayer of your heart is, God, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I'm not sure what to think of you. But God, reveal yourself to me. Show me that you're real. Come into my life and and allow me to feel your presence. And even as believers, if you're anything like me, there are times in your Christian life where your faith languishes And you ask God to come into your life and rekindle the fire that was once there that you long to have returned. You want to feel the nearness of God. You want to feel the realness of God. And this is what the prophet Isaiah promises in the ministry of John the Baptist when he says, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's the promise. That you and I and the people of old and the people that come after us 
have the opportunity to have an experience of God in a real and tangible way. But how does that happen? Well, John the Baptist tells us how that happens. In verse 3, And John went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Those are the keys to encountering the living God. So if you are this morning an unbeliever, what does that mean for you? The forgiveness of sins and the reconciliation to God, our Heavenly Father, is yours through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to be reconciled to God except through Jesus, by His blood, by His resurrection. The gates of heaven have been thrown open wide to you. Forgiveness is yours for anything that you've done, anything you are doing, and anything that you will do. If there's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor, if there's nothing you can do to earn God's love, there's nothing that you can do to unearn it. It's a free, unmerited gift given to you through Jesus Christ. You simply have to reach out and take it for yourself. And this forgiveness of sins can only come through God. No man can forgive sins. This was a point that John went to great lengths to explain. I baptize you with water, but there is one coming whose sandals I'm unworthy to untie who will baptize you with fire. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Uh, John is saying, I can assure you of the forgiveness of your sins through God, but unless you actually come to God himself... You'll never know the forgiveness of sins. Even when we stand and declare the absolution after the confession of sin, it's not Craig Smalley as as it was this morning. You were here for that part, right? When you walked in, I didn't see you. So he was here for that. And he declared that your sins are forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said four sentences. Now, were they Craig's musings on how he thought you ought to handle your forgiveness this week? No, there were four passages of Scripture from God's Word to assure you of God's great love and mercy for sinners. Not somebody's opinion. Only God can forgive sins, and so that's why John the Baptist is pointing people toward the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on further to say that the baptism won't forgive your sins. The baptism won't get you right with God in and of itself. After these people have been baptized, he calls them a brood of vipers. Well, that's not very pastoral. What does he mean? He's saying, understand that baptism, even in the Christian church, ought to point each and every single one of us to the thing that it symbolizes. Being buried with Christ in his death, being raised with him in new life. Even our baptisms point to the Lord Jesus. And it may be that you've been baptized with water, but John the Baptist asked, have you been baptized with fire? Because if you experience the forgiveness of sins, you undergo a heart change 
And the issue of repentance comes about in your life. It manifests itself in your life. And repentance is not simply amending your life of all those little things that you deal with on a day-in, day-out basis. But repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, where your eyes are open and you see that you're actually headed in the wrong direction. And when you know the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that your only hope for rescue is in Him, you turn 180 degrees and you run as fast as you can, as hard as you can, into His arms of forgiveness. That's what repentance is. It's running to Jesus. It's understanding that you can't save yourself and the only hope that you have for forgiveness and salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're an unbeliever, forgiveness of sins and repentance. Those things, when they happen, enter you into a relationship with the living God and God's promise is to fill you with His Holy Spirit, which is fire. I mean, do we understand that the same Holy Spirit that worked in the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ is the same Spirit that dwells within us? The power to raise the dead. Now, that doesn't mean you and I are going to raise dead people, but it does mean that the living God lives within you. And you'll know it, and you'll feel it, and you will have that encounter that you long for. But what about for the believer? For those of us who find our faith languishing? When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's no Christianity 101, Christianity 201, 301, and so on and so forth. The gospel is the gospel. And the gospel preached to non-Christians is the gospel that's preached to Christians too. Because brothers and sisters, I need to hear that my sins are forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because my life feels a whole lot like Paul's life in Romans 7. I am this mix of redeemed righteousness and still yet sinful. And I can feel the old Adam stir up every once in a while. More than that, in my own life. And so I need to hear the gospel too. And that's why Martin Luther said that all of the Christian life is one of repentance. That every single day... I need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and seek his repentance and seek the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and confess my sin to him. Now the problem with that is that often in my prayer life, my focus is on the consequences of my sin instead of the sin itself. So in my life right now, I'm feeling pretty much overwhelmed. I'm burning the candle at both ends, and I just feel like I'm at my wit's end. And I imagine some of you feel the same way. So my prayers tend to be, oh Lord, relieve me of the burdens that I'm trying to carry. Lord, make things just a little bit easier. Make things a little bit less complicated. Instead of actually sitting back and asking the question, why am I overwhelmed? Well, it's because I'm doing too much. Why am I doing too much? It's because I think it's up to me to get the job done. And if it weren't for me, the job wouldn't get done. 
And so God's word to me is not, I'll make life a little bit easier for you, Andrew. But God's word to me is this, Andrew, I have already appointed my Messiah for the world, and you're not him. And so just when you think that the world can't turn without you, take a nap and see what happens. And so for all of us, are we focusing in on the consequences of our sin or are we actually allowing God to get to the root of the matter and instead of asking God to treat the symptoms that he would go to the very core of what it is that we're struggling with in our lives? God, help me with my anger. Maybe we ought to pray, God, help me to understand why I'm angry. God, I'm just overwhelmed with sadness and a loss of direction. Help me to understand why I can't find my all in you. And allow God to actually go into those places by the power of his Holy Spirit. Because when that happens in the Christian life, John promises us that we will encounter the living God. And the assurance is that when we cry out to him, that he will answer. Hear what Luke is saying in Isaiah 40. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. What is John's ministry? It's to proclaim to you and I that there is nothing that will keep God from getting to you. I mean, have you ever been to Western North Carolina or in any mountainous region? Have you ever driven on those roads? I mean, you go through about a pack of Dramamine going up those roads because they're so curvy and switchbacks. And, and, and why are those roads built that way? Because the engineers looked at the terrain and said, that's the easiest way to go. That's the most economical way to go. But that's not the way that God goes. How does God go? He sees a valley and he fills it. He sees a mountain and he levels it. He sees something crooked and he makes it straight. And he takes the rough places and makes them level. Because there's no valley, no mountain, no crooked road, nothing that God isn't going to remove in order to get to you and me. That's his promise. That while we're calling out to him for forgiveness and mercy, he is not far off. He is getting to you as fast as he can through his son, Jesus. And this is the message of John the Baptist. I'm not sure that I'd still want to invite him over for Christmas dinner. I still think he's a little bit odd. But the message that he brings is one of good news, earth-shattering, life-altering, an encounter with the living God, repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.